0: Phoenix Rolls, former North Dakota State wide receiver, has verbally committed. He did that on Twitter last night, and I know you've talked to him today. We're going to talk to him coming up in a few minutes. But uh, a lot of stuff happening as the Dukes get set for Coastal Carolina to wrap up the season.
1: Yeah, it's that time of year, Dave. As I think I, I tweeted last yes, night, portal it. season has begun. You know, once it starts, it doesn't end. That's the world we live in, isn't it? <sighs> exactly. I mean, you know, last year at this time, I think there was one week with like five or six guys in a three-day span at the Dakota class, So, you know, I think we're we're kicking it off now, and you know, for the next month and a half, it'll just be keep flowing.
0: Let's start there, I guess. Since we're talking about it, and we're going to talk to Phoenix Purls again later on on in the show, but. You know, with him committing and you talking to him, kind of, uh, I'll, I'll chat with him also. But what what'd you kind of find out from him? It seems like this is gonna this is a pretty big get for the Dukes to, to have a guy because they are gonna need some veterans in that wide receiver room next year with with Kt Tg Rav all moving on. Um, hopefully Reggie's back for another season, but they they lose a lot at wide receiver. This is a pretty big get here early in the transfer transfer time.
1: It is. I mean, he's been in the portal for basically a long time now. He, he entered up to I think, you know October at some point, and you know it's a big time guy. He he didn't score a lot in North Dakota State, even though he had a touchdown against JMU. But we can talk about that. In a minute. But you know he's a guy who who's a playmaker. I mean, he had over 800 yards receiving um, in 50 games for the Bison. And I mean, I think most people here in North Dakota State they know the quality of talent that's there. And he obviously will be able to come in right away and I think you know produce pretty quickly on the field.
0: One thing we noticed is that there were a ton of recruits here this past weekend. I think it was a record of, of over eighty recruits that were here. You you tweeted out you saw Jordan McLeod, former Arizona quarterback, former South Florida quarterback, that has a couple of years left, and um, that's something that I think folks are interested in because uh, the way the the transfer portal has worked at the quarterback spot this year, they look at that. But uh, any any word on on anybody else right now?
1: Uh, not that I've really heard of. I mean, I, there might be some people kind of, you know, trying to feel interest out right now. But, I mean, a guy like Jordan Claude was on campus with Phoenix Sproles, and they were actually on the same flight from Charlotte, North Carolina, mm. here, and were basically buddies the whole trip the whole time. And they had some mutual friends to begin with. So I think, you know, they got along quite well, as with Phoenix told me. And, and I think, you know, that could be an interesting time to watch if JMU can land the... Uh, Cloud at quarterback.
0: Yeah, that could be uh, that could be a good tandem here here coming up in the future. As again, Centeo to uh, to KT and those guys have been really good this year. Could be a different tandem coming up next year. But you know what, what do you what do you make of this team? I mean, we've talked about it just how close they are, how tight knit they are. The the comeback win at App State, losing by twenty five at one point in time, down twenty at halftime. They're actually down by more at halftime this game than the App game, but. What does it say about this team to be able to rally and do what they do twice in one season?
1: Yeah, it says a lot. I mean, you know, we we've talked to this team might, might not have you know as much star-studded talent of teams in the past that, but you know, I think their talent collectively may exceed some teams that Jamie's had recently, and and we've seen it these two games. I think that absolute comeback though may have provided a little bit of confidence that saying going to Long Room down twenty, they're like you know they're not out of it. Sure enough, they weren't, and so I think that that provided a lot. But you know. They took a good, calm approach. They settled things down. They didn't panic, and things pay off longer.
0: What was the biggest. Was there a turning point in this game that, that you thought was, was the biggest difference? Obviously, that, that score right out of the locker room was big, then a, a three and out, but Devin Cole's play was big. Um, I, I even go back to when. Camden Wise came on to kick the field goal and the wind kind of had a big gust and it came up short but they were off sides. They decided to go for it on fourth down, get it with Drew Painter and eventually get in the end zone to make it an eight-point game at that point in time when that could have stayed stayed a one-point game. So there were quite a few different plays. Is is there Was there a turning point in this game for you? I think it was the three straight three analysis
1: the defense was able to force coming out of the locker room and that was able to get J.B.'s offense rolling and scoring 21 in the third quarter, 28 unanswered answer total I'm kind of going to take the lead and really almost put things away. and I mean, they held on at the end. But defense played extremely well in the third quarter. But also, I go back to, you know, play that most people may not look at as a big deal, which I thought actually was a big deal when you look at it being a two-point game. Is JMU muffed the kick at the goal line, and they recovered at the five. And Jamie's defense held them to a field goal. And I think, yep. you know, they scored a touchdown there. It's a big swing of change. And it's a four-point swing, and instead of JMU, you know, going up by it they're you know being up by two after that touchdown they're they're trailing again and I think that's a that's a big time play by the defense
0: I agree uh, that is a big play you think of some of the stuff in the second half but if they get another touchdown there instead of a field goal all of a sudden they're up three scores and 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 and, and really cruising and, and you just never know what's going to happen it kept it a two score game with that field goal and then. Again, it was still 20 points at halftime, a three score game, but it could have been even even worse. could have been maybe a four score game at that point in time. Or what? Because it could have been a 24 point game where you have to get three touchdowns and three two point conversions, which is obviously very difficult to do. But again, it, it all worked out good for the Dukes, and, and they have a ton of momentum going into this week. And losing the guys they have on defense, a Mikhail Kamara who makes a difference, we saw that at Louisville, losing a Sam Kidd. For Francis Meehan to step in, I know Isaac Uku, Jalen Green, Abby Okunji are all playing really, really well, but Francis Meehan, he's the guy that just really stepped up for and played kind of the Sam Kidd role, and he's done a phenomenal job. He had a couple of pass breakups in the football game. It's amazing to see what this defense is doing, even though they've had some injuries and they've been banged up.
1: Yeah, they have, I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, Francis Meehan, this first couple of drives, he, he had you know pass breakups on third down both times, forcing punts, and I think that was really big plays. You also talked about Mikel Kamara coming out, and, and they replaced him with John McRoman, who has been on the interior of the line for most of the year. He gets to go back to his master position at the end, and he had a, himself a game. And I think he was a big force, always in the backfield. Um, this past weekend, and I paid off big time for the defense.
0: I'm talking, and I think we all will, talk to some of the seniors on this team, but the, the leadership that these guys have shown is, has been second to none. Guys like Isaac Ukwu and Todd and, and KT, Percy, um, others on defense too, and some younger players. I think Sam has been a part of that, but it's just, it's been really awesome to see the leadership of these guys, and it, it's a team that doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. W- when they're winning big, you can't really tell. When they're losing big, you can't really tell, and they just find a way eventually.
1: They do, and I think the experience plays a big factor in that, and they've, they've got a lot of those veteran leaders you mentioned, and they were able to lean on them at App State when they went through it the first time of being down by a lot of points, and Come back and get that one done, and then do it again this week. Which you know, this week may have been a little easier, considering the whole team had been through it at upstate. A lot of those guys hadn't been down by 25 points in their career, and that was something new for them. So, obviously, you know, the leadership has played dividends, and you know, we've seen the the these really older players making a lot of good plays for GMU. You know, Thompson Taylor doing what he's been doing in his first and only year at GMU. Chris Thornton, who is close to a record, and it really, if you look at how much he's played, he hasn't played a whole lot of game yet. You know, <laughs> You're and he's right. Tie the these scoring records, so you know. I mean, that's another guy that it sticks out.
0: You think about these guys too. I mean, if KT would have been here for four or five years, he, he would have broken all the records. And you could say that about Antoine too. He did in in, in about a season and a half, really, because of the spring season. But a guy like Todd Senteo, what he's done this year, I mean, it's nothing short of remarkable. Just we didn't. I mean, we we knew, but we didn't, that he was even going to be the starting quarterback before the Middle <laughs> Tennessee game. And now, I just think, if they win this weekend and he plays fairly well, he's got to be the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year, doesn't he? He does. I mean, he's he got the touchdown numbers to back it up. He doesn't turn the ball over
1: much, as you can look at those numbers. He's probably high in the, the conference and in, in interception you know, ratio, touchdown and interception ratio. But, you know, another impressive thing about him is, is he- He's close to getting the passing numbers he had last year at Colorado State, which he did in twelve games, and he'll have done it in a nine or ten game or yeah. nine games, so or nine or ten games somewhere in there. So obviously, it'd be a big swing, and, and that includes a fifty-yard game that he had at Louisville. So right. I think that just shows the improvement that he's had as personally as a player, and I think you know, capping his collegiate career off with with some belt player of the years, I think well deserved at this point. I'm kind of interested to ask that question after the Coastal game in the press conference, kind of see exactly. what others think on the team. I think it's more of a question for them, but I think that right now he's played his way into it for sure, especially with, with other injuries around the Sun Belt. It might be a little easier to get it.
0: It was a mess on special teams, though, wasn't it, this past weekend? Ooh. Yeah,
1: yeah they, was <laughs> great. I
0: mean,
1: I think that's the way to put it. They couldn't field kickoffs for a minute, and they couldn't field a punt at the end. So I think you know we might see a different approach. At least kick return this year and the rest of the years. you see a lot of fair catching and not really mess around with uh, trying to return it next this coming week because if you give Coastal the ball to five, I'm telling you they're going to score. They're not going to settle for mm-hmm. field
0: goal. Yeah, no doubt. Again, we're talking to Noah Fleischman from the Daily News Record. He's the Jamie football beat writer as the Dukes get set for Coastal Carolina on Saturday. And I, I do want to ask you because there he, he got asked the question again, but Coach Signetti said you, he he likes to put little little feelers out and 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 maybe poke a little bit here and there this might be our last game you never know what do you make of that is there any chance that if not enough teams are qualify for a bowl game that hey maybe they'll get asked
1: maybe i don't know how high that really you know (laughs) i gotta you know what after this i'm gonna take a look and see who how many teams are bowl eligible right now because This actually a good thing to figure out because there's there's a certain number of slots allocated for bowl games, and a lot of bowl games there's money involved, and they want to play the game, and so they'll find a way to play it. Um, but I mean, there's other things I guess could happen, like say Virginia and UVA don't play this weekend or next weekend. There's a possibility maybe JMU, I don't know, just trying to speak into existence. They could try to schedule a bowl, like a semi bowl game with Virginia Tech. I don't know. It probably wouldn't happen, but things like that could happen. I'm guessing. And, you know, somebody followed up with the master, and he's like, Well, you know, the only three things guaranteed of life are, uh, you know, death and taxes.
0: So something there. <laughs> I'm going to go through it with you right now. Coastal Carolina bowl eligible. Marshall is. App or Georgia Southern play this weekend. So one of those two teams will. So there's going to be three teams from the East, not including James Madison. In the West, it's Troy and South Alabama. But right now, no one else is bowl eligible. Now, Louisiana plays Texas State, so they've got a pretty good chance to to become bowl eligible. And then Southern Miss needs one more. They play at Louisiana Monroe. Now, that won't be real easy, but it's possible. So there could be a couple teams that that get their sixth win from the West, which would make it four teams from the West. So then that would be enough spots for Sunbelt-affiliated bowls. So... it, it. I, it's it's a stretch, let's to be honest. I mean, I know we threw it out there and fans are going to go crazy with it. It's probably not happening.
1: No, I don't think it will either. I think, you know, their season's done this weekend. And there's some positives to that. You know, they can get back on the recruiting side yeah, for of things. Sure. I think they've got three straight weeks of official visits coming up after the season end. So, I think it plays an advantage. They're used to playing through December and January, but I think this time around you can get a month of just recruiting and not have to balance between recruiting and preparing for a game. So, I think yeah. that may payoff as well
0: and this will be a big recruiting season for them i mean they 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 need to fill a lot of spots there's some great seniors they're going to play their final game at bridgeforth this weekend but what do you make of coastal carolina jamie chadwell's comments kind of made it sound like Grayson mccall probably not going to be ready he hasn't practiced yet and i i don't expect him to play this weekend that gives the dukes a great opportunity again they've opened us like a 13 and a half point favorite or whatever it is which is crazy against the ranked team in carol in coastal carolina but what are your expectations on saturday
1: you know, my expectations are, JMU, there's a reason why. You know, Vegas tends to know things. I don't know how. don't know why. I think, you know, they've got a magical genie or something. But, you know, being a 12-point favorite at home against the ranked team is telling, and that's just showing the quality of, you know, wins and losses that JMU's had compared to Coastal Carolina. Because Coastal has got a lot of wins, but they're playing tight games, and, and they lost the ODU and got blown out by them. And so, you know... I think it'll be a close game. I mean, Coastal, just the way they play, it's always going to be a close game. But they're a good team. They're going to play with the dual quarterback uh, uh, system, and, and they're going to try to make things happen. But at the same time, I think, you know, Jamie Chadwell said today Jamie's offensive line for the best LC. and defense is probably the best LC all year. So it's not going to be an easy test for Coastal, and it's also not going to be an easy the last game of the year for,
0: for Jamie. Yeah, no question about that. Should be fun. Noon kickoff from Bridge Forest Stadium, the final game for James Madison here in uh, 2022. We think. <laughs> we'll see. Possibly. Yeah, it is. It is uh, it, yeah. All right, my man. I appreciate you as always. Check out more Noah's stuff online, dnronline.com slash sports. Pick up the paper as well. I appreciate you, my man. We'll see you later this week.
1: Sweet. Thank you.